0: This episode of Truth Table is brought to you by Truth Table. By Truth Table, Black women's musings on life, love, and liberations everywhere where books are sold. Online, in the stores, at your mama's pop bookstore. Go buy our book. everywhere period and debt-free degree with Dr. Roz whose mission is to teach students to create wealth by graduating without loans or debt avoid the average $75,000 in student loan debt follow debt-free degree with Dr. Roz on Instagram and Twitter at debt-free degree with Dr. Roz and visit her Patreon community www.patreon.com slash debt-free degree hey you Welcome to Truth Table. Midwives and for and Truth. I'm Femini. And I'm Christina. This table is built by black women and for black women. So welcome to the table, see. How you doing, girl? I'm doing okay.
1: <laughs> I'm doing all right today. I feel like we've been we've been working hard today. I mean, the people don't know. They they have no idea what what happens before or after we do an episode, but You know, we've been putting in some time because we are really dedicated to this kickoff season um, and this series that we have the privilege of doing. So how are you doing today, Kenny? Yes, we
0: are putting in work. And that's a great time to say, support our Patreon. (laughs) Support (laughs) our Patreon. We accept the coins and the things that jingle, but we prefer the kind that folds. (laughs) (laughs) And if you are watching this, that means you are a patron already. So we thank you so much for your support. Thank you. I am doing well. I am so excited about this here episode.
1: It's a big deal.
0: Okay. Y'all, we are still in our State of the Black Church series. I am so honored to have two, not just one sister, but. Come on. Ooh, sit down at the table with us. Okay, we have Claire Williams and Lisa Fields at the table with us. How are y'all doing, my sisters? I'm doing good. How are y'all doing? All
1: right. We're making it. We're making How you, it. Claire? How are you doing? From over at the pond. Ain't nobody what they say? No, they say across. No.
0: <laughs> Help me, Lord. I'm sorry. Across the pond. Oh, across me. the
2: pond. I'm good. I'm good. It's <laughs> our evening time here. So all good. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know what? Just
0: in case y'all don't know who Lisa Fields is and Claire Williams, let me tell you a little something about them. Now that I do not embarrass myself in front of Claire. That's, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's not bad. Okay. <laughs> all right, y'all. Lisa, V. Fields is one of the world's most sought-after Christian apologists. She combines her passion for biblical literacy with her heart for sharing God's love to all those she meets. During college at the University of North Florida, she took a New Testament course that shifted the trajectory of her life. As a pastor's kid, she was familiar with church, the Christian faith, and the importance of reading the Bible. She, also, she was also planning a career as a stockbroker in New York City. On the first day of her New Testament class, the professor declared, I'm going to change everything you thought you knew about Jesus. Throughout the course, her professor focused on biblical biblical contradictions and textual criticism. In every sense of the matter, Lisa's faith was challenged. She was forced to rethink what she believed and and decide if she would keep believing or abandon her faith. So after college, she continued to wrestle with biblical concepts in her faith while working in the financial services industry. Each day, she wrestled with God's call on her life to further her education, to better defend the faith. She pursued her MDF, Master of Divinity, from Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia. Her time in seminary propelled her into her calling as an apologist, During her last year of seminary, her passion to teach others how to defend their faith was clear. It was then that the Jew 3 Project was birthed. As founder and president, Lisa's primary mission for the Jew 3 Project is to help the Black Christian community know what they believe and why they believe it. So welcome to the table, Lisa. And Thank you for having me. Of course. And also, we are joined by Claire Williams. Claire is the founder of Get Real a Christian apologetics organization, which addresses cre- questions about Christianity, particularly from the Black British community. She has a degree in English literature and language from Oxford University, and she completed postgraduate training in theology at Wycliffe Hall. Claire has an MA in leadership and an MA in culture, diaspora, and ethnicity. She has now started her PhD journey, yes, in theology, focusing upon apologetics and activism. Claire enjoys engaging with questions of culture, truth, identity, and the gospel. Welcome to the table, Claire. Thank
2: you so much. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yes. I'm so glad to be at the table with fellow M Divas and PhDs. Come on now. I'm excited for this <laughs> conversation. See, take it away, girl. Take it away. I've said a lot. <laughs>
1: Hey, and, and all of it needed to be said because we do want people to know who we have here today, and it's, it really is a privilege. And I know people are going to be blessed to hear your insights. So we're we're just going to get right into it quickly, right? And so, um, I would say that I was I was an adult before I really reckoned with or really heard the word apologist. Mm-hmm. And I, I grew up in church my whole life, and I grew up in a church that was uh, very, very much committed to the declaration of the gospel. <laughs> um, but the idea, but but we have never used this language around apologetics. So, can you introduce us? Give us the shorthand. Give us the real talk about what is apologetics versus just as we think about like something like evangelism. <laughs> Oh, thanks, Lisa. Well, <laughs> look, tag your head, Claire. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think
2: we similar, actually, Christina. I didn't really hear about apologetics till I was in my 20s either. Mm-hmm. Um, but I say we get our mandate to do apologetics from, I say, 1st Pete 315, always be prepared to give an answer for the reason, uh, for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. So this is this winsome way of sharing the gospel, not shying away from the exclusive claims of the Christian faith, but um, giving mm-hmm. a reasoned defense for what we believe um yeah i don't know if lisa wants to add anything
3: <laughs> yeah i I love to think of it as uh intellectual engagement around um our faith um that's how i describe it when i'm talking to somebody that's a non-christian so they can better understand it but i also like to think about it as it clears the fog so you can share the gospel mm. so apologetics helps clear the fog it's not a substitution for sharing the gospel but it helps you be able to uh, share the gospel so people can see the gospel clearly. And so whatever things that have their glasses fogged, apologetics helps to clear that up. So then you can, they can see the gospel message clearly and then they can decide whether they're going to accept the gospel message.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Thank you all so much. And, you know, I'm curious if, uh, if y'all can talk to us about uh, how is it. How is one's personal narrative and story uh, a part of their own testimony, uh, um, an invitation to Christ? Can you talk about just our own personal narratives and, and, and how that can be an invitation um, to faith in mm. Jesus Christ?
2: Yeah, I think that sometimes when people hear my story, and I used to think this about this about myself, you know, preachers, kids, gone to, ch- to mm-hmm. church, you know, so many times in the week. Um, you're only a Christian because your parents were, or you're, you're mm-hmm. only a Christian because your dad was a pastor. Actually, well, no, I think there was a point in my life um, where I had lots of questions, lots of objections. Is this true? Is it worth it? Does it make sense? You know, all the conflict, science and faith, all that kind of stuff. And I think mm-hmm. actually my testimony of being someone who has encountered Jesus, who loves the Lord, but then was mm-hmm. wrestling with, as Lisa said, these intellectual barriers and feeling like when I went to church on a Sunday, I had these amazing spiritual experiences, but I left my brain at the door to some degree, mm-hmm. had the experience, picked it up and then went to work and I was using all my, you mm-hmm. know, intellect and faculties outside of the church, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: something for me wasn't quite um, clicking there. And so uh, my testimony, mm-hmm. my, my story, I guess, is that whilst I loved God and I, I undeniable encounters with Jesus... Does this make sense? Does it hold together? Is it coherent? So um, that's kind of my journey. Mm,
3: thank you for that. Yeah, as I think about my own personal journey, I never questioned my faith until I got to college, really. Uh, the first time me questioned him, when, when I think back, I did question when I was five when we had been studying in Sunday school about uh, altars and giving sacrifices to God and smoke coming out. And so when Sunday morning they talked about offering, it's like, we're going to give our money to God. I was like, how are they going to get the money to God? As a child, I was really puzzled about how the money was going to get to God. Was it going, and it was going to be sacrificed like we were learning in Sunday school. And so that's the first time I started thinking critically, but then I kind of just kind of went with the flow. I was in the church bubble. And then when I got to college, first day of class, professor saying, I'm going to change everything you thought you knew about Jesus. I was like, Oh, this is not going to be like the Sunday school. Um, Because nobody told me that studying a new Testament at a secular university wasn't like Sunday school. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it really was jolting to me and I had to wrestle with like beliefs and why do I believe this? And can I trust this book? Because the Bible is our foundation. And if you pull the foundation away, you feel like you have everything becomes chaotic yes. and you don't know what to believe and what to build your life on. And so it was through navigating that, through discovering apologetics and through digging deeper into kind of should we trust the word? Is it reliable? That I developed a, 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 a more robust understanding of my own personal faith and then wanting to help other people on that journey mm-hmm. as well.
1: Absolutely. Um, You know, it it is not lost on me. You know, we we this table is built by and for Black women. We make no apologies for that. It is long overdue, and it's. I think it's the strength of the the podcast uh, because we're clear about who we center and why. And so, we have two Black women who are apologists, and I. At least my limited understanding of of the field of apologetics it's, it it seems very white and very male. Uh, maybe I'm wrong about that, but that's that is certainly who I associate uh, with that language of. I think of black women in terms of like the missionary society and evangelism, right? But um, apologetics not so much, and that's not because I don't think we have intellectual heft. It's just that I I, I just have this association of white men. So I want to know how it how it is you draw from your black womanhood. To do the work of apologetics. Yeah, I think for me, when I think about
3: Black women, we are the most marginalized group in society, and so because we are on the margins, we have to understand things from different angles. Yeah. And you have to, you know, the white white men have limited understanding because they they don't have to interact. You know, I think about us as black people, we have to interact with white people. White people don't necessarily have to interact with us. And so we have to learn how to kind of be ambidextrous in that in that way. Um, And so by the the further on the margins you are, the more people you are forced to interact with. If you're going to climb society um, to a degree. And so you have different experiences and that helps you have more nuance in your interaction. And I think. Bringing that to apologetics is helpful because you're able to help people. You help able to help people understand their faith in nuanced environments, mm-hmm. and you're not ivory tower looking down, presupposing things and saying, "Well, this is my thing. I love to talk about justification, or I love to talk about evolution, and I'm going to up- impose that." You're forced to say, "No. What is? What are people on the ground saying? What makes sense?" Yeah, and then you build. Um, resources based on actual people because you have to interact with mm-hmm. actual people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, Claire. What would you say? Yeah, I think the uh, the whole idea of having to live with people and you know doing apologetics through your experience as a black woman is really important to me as well because I trained in ap- apologetics. I left my job in teaching and uh, trained in apologetics um, with OCC, the Oxford mm-hmm. Centre for Christian Apologetics, and great tutors. Honestly, friends with them to this day. Um, mm-hmm. but just seeing this gap in you know when I heard um, a lecture on, um, for instance does the Bible condone slavery? You can give me this um, etymology of slave and you can give me the quite clinical way of looking and defending that and defending the Bible. Mm -hmm. But actually that's not going to cut it when you're talking to congregations of black Christians or um, yeah. black skeptics. You need, need to speak right. to the heart as well as the head. Right. And it's not because, as, as Lisa said, black people don't have intelligence. We're not saying that at all. We're saying, look, our experience is very, very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need we need both. And so for me mm-hmm. doing apologetics, Ooh. the same people who would, you know, call me woke and the same people who would say this and that, they're not coming with me, right. To speak to Chantel, about why she doesn't want to be a Christian anymore. They're not coming with me oh, to speak God. to, God. you know, um Dwayne. They're on. not they're not they're not coming with me. So mm-hmm. where you won't go, that's fine. I need to bring the gospel in a refreshing way, in which I believe apologetics is is just masterful at doing so and fill in the gaps where um unfortunately some of our well respected and very, very well qualified um white male apologists just don't see.
0: Mm. My goodness, y'all just
1: We'll send y'all love off. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I always feel like I have to be like the the visual translator for the podcast people. I'm like at the present moment, Kimmy is now clapping. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! I'm clapping my ass. <laughs> that's what's happening. <laughs> that's what's happening. As, as as Claire and Lisa drop their metaphorical mics, Man, that's what's happening was, right now.
0: Uh, okay, you know what? Let's take a brief commercial break before I ask this question. Um, So let's take a quick commercial break and we will be right back at the table with Claire Williams and Lisa Fields. So don't go nowhere, y'all. Stay right here. Truth's Table, Black women's musings on life, love, and liberation is a classic in the making. According to Tracy Michelle Lewis-Jiggins, author of Black Joy, Stories of resistance, resilience, and restoration. New York Times bestselling author, Dr. Jamar Tisby, says that people often say, listen to Black women. Now at Truth's Table, you have your chance. We don't deserve the gift of this book, but once again, Black women have generously served us all. If we are to actually alleviate the immense burdens our sisters bear, then we must heed their words. T. Morgan Dixon, co founder of Girl Trek, says this There is a textured knowing in this book, a spiritual enlightenment made brighter by the author's own personal breakthroughs. The way they describe the fabric of our collective trauma makes me trust their solutions. And Dr. Joy Hardin Bradford, founder of Therapy for Black Girls, says that Truth Table, Black women's musings on life, love, and liberation, shines a light on some of our most vulnerable places as Black women, leaving no stone unturned. Truth Table, Black women's musings on life, love, and liberation, is a clarion call to consider our communal truths by opening ourselves up to a deeper inner truth. By Truth Table, Black women's musings on life, love, and liberation, wherever books are sold. That's a lot of money, y'all. 37% of students with student loan debt owe over $100,000. Woo, that is almost a house. And y'all, I'm in the number. Jesus Be a Debt Counselor. Dr. Roz has three degrees, including her PhD, and she only took $1,000 in loans. And she wants to teach you and your students how to earn a debt-free degree. Dr. Roz is a nonviolent strategist, culture shifter, and hugger. She teaches Dr. Martin Luther King's philosophy and methodology of nonviolence around the globe. And as part of that, she teaches students how to earn any degree without loans. That's right, y'all. Any degree without loans. Imagine the trajectory of your life or the life of a current student who goes into the profession unencumbered by student loan payments versus the student that's saddled with six figure student loan debt. Dr. Roz has a great offer for Truth Table listeners. When you join any level of her Patreon community, send her a message in Patreon and mention Truth Table and she will refund you half of your membership fee for the first month. That's right, y'all. When you join her community and you send her a DM saying you heard it from Truth's Table, she will refund you half of your membership fee for the first month of joining her Patreon community families and educators, this is a great way to guide your students to a debt-free degree using all the tips, tricks, and tools that Dr. Roz provides. To learn more about debt-free degree, go to patreon.com slash degree and follow Dr. Roz on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn at debt-free degree with Dr. Roz. All right, we're back at the table with Claire Williams. And Lisa Fields, apologists, extraordinaires. Okay. All right, (laughs) (laughs) ma'am. You know what? I would love for y'all to speak to um, just, you know, just what are some of the barriers, the issues that you are seeing that are coming up for you all as apologists, particularly within the Black church space? I You know, over there in, U, in the UK and here in the US, Lisa, from your perspective, can you talk to us about some of the the objections, the common objections that you're seeing? Um, Yeah, currently.
3: Yeah, so I think the biggest one will, and I, I think Claire will probably have this in the UK, Christianity being a white man's religion that takes many facets, <laughs> people going into Black cults and Black religions, <laughs> um, Hebrew ritualism, <laughs> all the things, uh, I think the one of the biggest challenges that we see with Why I Don't Go is church hurt, um, that people have been traumatized by church. Yeah. Um, and then I think mental health also. Uh, people don't talk about the intersection of apologetics and mental health, but I think that is a big challenge. There's a book, of Father of the Fatherless, um, where uh, the author talks about the fact that most of the major atheists had really challenges challenging relationships with their fathers even either they were absent or abusive yeah. and so he talks about how that um, that kind of feeds their atheism um because of how they view, God. So it's a very interesting intersection between psychology and apologetics that I think needs to be explored more. Yeah. I'm sure Dr. Edmison can, can appreciate uh, <laughs> that. Uh, but I think those are the, the challenges people are just feeling when it comes to mental health, uh, hopelessness. Mm-hmm. And they don't feel like the gospel has given them or the way they view the gospel if they had misrepresentations of it doesn't bring them mm-hmm. hope and they're looking for hope. Yeah. And so, um, those are some things.
2: How about you, Claire? What are you feeling over there? Yeah, similar, similar to what Lisa was saying. Um, mm-hmm. Particularly, I would say the biggest thing on people's minds, particularly Gen Z, millennials, is justice and justice issues that cut across race, gender, sexual orientation, everything. Like that, mm-hmm. that generation, millennials and Gen Z, are very much around the justice question. And I think the tension that I see is. Um, with the, and this is obviously making a huge generalization, but I'm just trying to give you some idea of what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the black church kind of the generation, my parents' generation and grandparents' generation who are still very much in leadership, they, there is this kind of, um, maybe Pentecostal pietism and a, a very well meaning to, yeah. um, just, Focus on Christ and you know holiness unto the Lord, Amen. Um, and yes, there are struggles. Yes, there's um, racial injustice, but we continue. You know, we mm-hmm. look, we look heavenwards. Whereas this generation don't operate that way. They want to discuss it. And if the church looks like it's not talking about these issues, um, mm-hmm. then what is it? Is it? Is it? Is it? Um, is, it ha- is it obsolete? You know. Mm-hmm. So those kind of questions, I think, um, maybe seeing you know, going to church because, you know, it's a time when we gather with community, yes, and we worship God, but actually I do my justice stuff outside when actually justice mm-hmm. belongs to God. Mm-hmm. I think, is it Psalm eighty nine fourteen. righteousness and justice are the foundation of yes. the throne. It That's belongs true. to the Lord. So I think for me, yeah. the apologetic mm-hmm. I'm trying to do is just to show, you know, in, in what universe one with or without God does justice, our yearning and longing for justice make sense. Um, yeah.
0: Now, Claire, actually, you know, you, um, mm. You're you're saying some things here, you know, particularly because you're in the UK. I'm actually curious about, um, you know, can you define or describe the black church actually in the UK? Because here in the U.S., right, obviously, you know, um, well, slavery Um, and because of just, you know, (laughs) <laughs> and how that manifests and justice was so central, of course, to the black church. We are seeing that, that gap too where this generation is like, What's the church doing now? you know, mm-hmm. about about justice and those 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 rumblings are there. But it was so it is and still I would say still pretty central to the black church here, you know, as particularly those who have descended You know, from those who were trafficked here um, and and the makeup of the black church is changing a little bit here. Right. With the influx of black immigrants and whatnot. But I'm curious about what how would you define the black church in the UK? What does that look like? Um, And then, yeah. And if you could because I don't want to assume, (laughs) you know, make the assumption that the black church in the UK is exactly the same as here. Right. Right. Very diverse.
2: Yeah, so the UK black church chiefly emerged, and there were some other other parts of this narrative, but chiefly emerged with the Windrush uh, era. So um, Caribbeans coming over to the UK in the 50s and 60s to kind of rebuild the UK after the war effort. And many of them were Christians, but then would go. And this is not just the story of my grandparents, but the story of many who they would go to the established church. White majority church. Yeah. And uh, at the end of the service, he s- said, please don't come back. Um, and recently, actually, a church, um, apologized to a guy called Reverend Carmel Jones for that thing that, that they, okay. they did to him. And so from that, it was, you know, renting rooms and having prayer meetings out of which the black church emerged. So it's, a, it's an amazing yeah. miracle mm-hmm. that even in the face of racism, the church, the black church emerged in the UK. And then you, around the eighties, and you also have, um, the arrival of West Africans as well to the UK. Mm-hmm. So, and so there is a kind of, I would say African black church and also Caribbean black church, but now there's a lot more um, multicultural churches as well. And so there's, you kind of got the, the, I'll say, the, the, the original, the original leaders of the black church. So like my dad generation, my grandparents' generation. Mm-hmm. And then you've also got the new millennial church leader who is mm-hmm. um, very much, working with black British, so second generation, third generation, black Britons um, who obviously born in the UK and have a very different experience, but want to worship God as well. So it's, it's, it's changing. It's moving, but that is the kind of origin point, of the Windrush generation.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Thank you. It's good. No, that's, inc- that's incredibly helpful. And, it, it, but I, you know, it's, it's interesting to, to overlap those two narratives, right? Cause you have an example of uh black Christians interpretation of the faith is a lean in to, uh, shared community with people who don't look like them—that is, that's the historical impulse in the United States, and obviously in that story of the UK as well. Mm-hmm. And yet, being turned away. So um, these these spaces are a reaction to white supremacy and exclusion, yeah. um, with with a still spiritual longing and understanding from scripture that we we ought to want to be like the eschatological reality that is to yeah. come, but white supremacy. Uh, puts that that barrier back up that Christ tore apart, mm-hmm. so it's, it's, so it's really quite offensive. Um, but thank you for giving us that 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 lesson. Um, so I, I I am I am curious about um, so you. You've given us kind of a landscape of what are the things that you're commonly hearing from people as re, as rejection of the faith, right? Why they um, why they don't trust Christianity? Why they don't want to hear from Christians about Jesus? Um, can you, can you give us a bit more about the methods of, of building understanding? So this is me in a teacher mode. So what, as you're having a conversation with someone, right, and they are presenting one of these questions, like the, the church isn't, isn't about nothing. They don't care about justice or um, it's exclusion or exclusionary towards the following people, right? Or uh, this is a white man's religion. Um, not, not necessarily what your defense is, but what are you looking to happen relationally and in terms of communication? To send signals to you to let you know, okay, I, I, I'm I, on the right track. So I'm trying to get a sense of the artistry of apologetics.
3: I think traditionally apologetics has been more of uh, talking and not listening, mm-hmm. um, uh, just going off people's first question. So what I've learned is that people's first question is rarely their real question. Mm. Or their first objection is really their real objection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was uh, once—I use this Mm -hmm. example—a friend from campus ministry was leaving the faith. He asked could he meet with me to talk. I listened to him for four hours. Mm -hmm. First, it was why a good God send people to hell. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was—it's you Mm -hmm.
0: know—that
3: was his first question. After four hours of me just listening to him go in circles and circles. It finally got to the fact that he wanted to have sex with his girlfriend without, um, without being having consequences for it. Mm-hmm. And so that was his real, that's what his core conviction was. He wanted to have promiscuity in his, in his sexuality.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: But all of these things came from that. But if I had to just argue with him about the existence of hell, I wouldn't have got to his core, yeah. core core concern or core uh thing that he was trying to trying to do. And so I think that we have to listen to get to the root. Mm-hmm. Um because I think these, you know, I think of it as a tree. If I pull an apple off another apple's going to grow. The only re- way to get rid of the tree is to uproot it. And so oftentimes we're trying to take people's objections and we're pulling and then they come back next week with another objection. Mm-hmm. And you like, I thought we just went over this. Mm-hmm. But if we listen enough, we could get to the root of the issue and try to help them
0: mm-hmm.
3: um, up- uproot it. And so I think listening is that key. And then saying, hey, w- when did you first feel this way? When did you first feel that Christianity was a white man's religion? What happened? Because usually it's traumatic- connected to a traumatic experience. That's when that kind of psychology and apologetics comes from. And so you get to hear that this usually an emotional thing that happened. Uh, if, if I remember in class talking, going back and forth with my professor in undergrad, then randomly he said, why did God let my daughter be born with down syndrome? Like,
1: hmm.
3: you know, so you saw, like we were having an intellectual conversation and you just went somewhere else. And I didn't know that was coming. And so I think, It just taught me that you need to listen because there's real hurt behind these questions. And so as we're listening, we, we get to hear people's stories. We have more empathy and then we can help. Once they get in a place where we help them process emotionally, then we could help them get to reason. Mm -hmm. But I think you can't get to reason without going through emotion and trauma. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So that that question of theodicy, right. And suffering and, um, that we can't intellectualize people past their pain, mm. you know. Pain, pain requires presence and acknowledgement, right? And um, those and those are things that you give to people that you love. And so um, you can you can lecture anybody, but you give presence to people that you mm. that you see their humanity. Claire, what would you add to that about kind of the artistry or the mechanics of apology?
2: Yeah, I totally love all the things that um, Lisa's doing with why I don't go uh, and listening to just making the room for to people to say what's really on their mind so you can, we can listen. Um, but I would also just add that I try to affirm as much as I can mm-hmm. as is biblically appropriate or biblically allowed, if you know what I mean, to affirm the anger, to affirm the outrage, to yeah. affirm the hurt and, you know, genuinely listen to so that. Sometimes I will apologize because if I'm claiming to be a Christian, I need to own what the church has done. Like mm-hmm. it, it comes yeah. with baggage. It comes with some, some territory that I might not like. And so to say, sorry, to say you know what that was really wrong and then so when you affirm um genuinely so and when you apologize if, if 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 the conversation allows and then to take them through some of the logic of what does that hurt and that moral outrage point to does it point to a universe you know an absent universe where there is no god what is it pointing to? Is it pointing you to something that there that, that there is a day of coming justice, that there is a God who cares mm. and pointing them to Jesus? So I think for me it's about affirming the rage because I think that um is at God's heart. And we see God the God of justice right through uh, right through the Bible.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah. Thank y'all. I mean, um, you know, yeah, you all said a lot. There's I hear a lot of grace, I hear a lot of empathy. Um and um, uh, grace in the act of listening, you know, to people and hearing hearing their their valid complaints um, or issues or concerns. Um, you know, I'm wondering about if you all could speak about the relationship, though, between our intellect and um, the spirit, right? So the spirit at work, knowing that apologetics and evangelism these are this is a spiritual task as much as it is an intellectual exercise. Um, And because, you know, Lisa, you initially talked about how people, they only listen to the first question and then they come back with their talking points and you, you know, you're going back and forth. You know, so how, how is it that you all listen for the spirit and are led by the spirit while doing apologetics um, with other people? What is that dance? What does that look like?
3: Yeah, I think it's about being super prayerful um, and also realizing where transformation comes from. Mm-hmm. Because I know early on in my apologetic days, I thought I could reason somebody into transformation mm-hmm. without realizing that it is a supernatural work of the spirit for someone to to come to faith. And that takes a lot of pressure off of you to realize this is God's work that he's inviting me into. And I'm a part of it, but it's, he's the transformer of the heart. And so when I'm prayerful, it reminds me of my position in it. And then it it, it allows me to, to, for the pride in me to decrease. Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes when we're going back and forth with people, our pride can rise up because we want to win. So I think being prayerful, being um, um, honest with God and honest with our own, you know, I think as apologists, we have to be honest with our own insecurities um and rejection issues because if you're if you have rejection issues then when somebody rejects Christ that you're trying to present sometimes you can internalize that. Yeah. And so you have to be honest with your frailties, your weaknesses and invite the spirit of God in and say God, I can't change them, but give me the wisdom, give me the words. I always say God, just help me to be able to communicate with grace and truth and knowing like what to say in that moment. God can give you a word of knowledge or prophetic word that speaks to them that cuts through all of that Mm -hmm. but you have to trust in his ability um in that um in that process
2: yeah i think as well just just being aware that evangelism and you know just sharing your faith in general is a is a spiritual battleground you know i'm -hmm. i might be a millennial but i'm old school pentecostal you know through and through um one time we were on a campus ministry and um we had this call saying um these students are experiencing some strange happenings in their house. Can anybody go and help? And it was like tumbleweed in the in the chat. Like, so who yeah. who was going to go? Who will go? Yeah. um So we, we a bunch of us went down, and actually it it meant a lot of prayer. And there were words of wisdom, and God was really showing who He was in those young people's lives by yeah. showing them that yeah, I've know because there was a young man who had been born prematurely, and I I just felt God saying to me, this young man had been born prematurely. Um, and I didn't want to say it. So I asked a question and then he said yes. Mm-hmm. And then the conversation just went on and on from there. And so it's not always going to be the proclamation and declaring and logical arguments and, and looking at, you know, premises and stuff like that. Sometimes it is going to be prayer. <laughs> and if you're not, if you're not prayerful and if you're just, all you do is read, um, apologetics books, you're not reading your Bible, you need to sit down. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think as well, one thing that the Spirit convicts me of as well is that, you know, pray, Lord, please open up opportunities, open doors for evangelism and apologetics, open the doors. And then when the doors come, it's like, I'm on the train and I don't want to talk to anybody right now, but (laughs) (laughs) you better. Or I remember being having a massage one time and I just wanted this person to keep quiet, but they kept talking. And, you know, just... If you're, if you're living in prayer, when the opportunities yeah. come, you need to take them because you never, never know what, what the Holy Spirit might do in a given yeah. moment. Um, so, yeah.
0: Wow, wow. You know, I love that. Um, I I think we've been there. We've all been there before at some point. Great. You're on the plane or you're somewhere and you're just like, I <laughs> just want to sleep. I just want to watch this movie. I just want to chill. And The person's talking to you or you feel the Holy Spirit telling you, talk to this person, talk to this person. You're like, <laughs> so that was very relate- relatable content,
2: Claire. Bring, bring me the pretzels and let me let me sleep. Yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly. I think we've all been there, right? But man, but but there is so there is blessing on the other side of, the, of our obedience for that person you don't know. The Holy Spirit is asking us to plant seeds. It is the Holy Spirit that will bring the increase. You do not know. You know what I mean people's mm-hmm. um, salvation and blessings are tied up in your obedience. God will raise up some folks to preach to them. So you know, I don't want to make mm-hmm. it seem as if you the end all be all, but we need, <laughs> we need to obey when, uh, when the spirit is telling us and leading us to open up our mouths and say what we're mm-hmm. supposed to say. And even that example. Oh yeah, I'll,
1: go ahead. But, no, and I was going to say, and after all, we are the ones that are claiming to be Christians. <laughs> So, you know, sometimes we can have an expectation of the person that we're sharing with that they act like Christians to us. <laughs> I'm like, they didn't claim to be a Christian. We are the ones that are claiming to be God's people That's and speaking right. God's word and in loving God through what, how God requires it, which is That's through right. obedience. Um, and so, so I mean, so I think sometimes we do, we, we do, um, project our expectations that we are being held to. Onto other people, and Lisa, you said something that is just still ringing in my head um, about this this zeal to to win. And you meant it like people like like winning an argument, like they they're looking at apologetics as a way of winning, meaning like my argument won out versus winsomeness yes. of of you know you know wise is the one who wins a soul to Christ, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, and, and yeah, this this sense of you know what are what are we what are we engaging mm-hmm. about? Is it to say like, we're just so smart and savvy and like, we know the things mm-hmm. or is it because this is a, this is a beautiful person who bears the image of God mm-hmm. and we want to see them set free. We want to see them. We want to see them as a part of the the family of God. Mm-hmm. We want to, to meet them around the communion mm-hmm. table. So yeah, there's as, as you were talking, you know, I just, it's just a great reminder. And I think you, the use of the word pride is so right. I think I have witnessed people, um, you use apologetics, um, as a way to puff themselves up. Like, look at, look at how smart I am about God. (laughs) Right. And I'm just like, Oh my goodness. Uh, versus, versus loving towards one's neighbor. Right. And Mm -hmm. grateful for what God is doing in their life. So that's just a really strong reminder. I I did have one question, um, that I'm thinking about, we all have kind of acknowledged in many ways that apologetics is something that we more thoughtfully understood later, like outside of church, maybe even. How can apologetics enter in and partner more directly with local churches? Um, what, what would it look like in kind of in your imagination and even in your work to equip local yeah. churches churches to, to be able to get us, the members, right? Um, better prepared in the work of apologetics.
3: Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think one of the things is acknowledging the fact that we've already been in black churches doing apologetic work. We didn't call it that, but I think about the, in um, the book of the popular encyclopedia of apologetics, they say there's, there's two kind of facets of apologetics, informational and incarnational. Mm -hmm. And the incarnational is the embodiment of the message. The fact that black churches are usually on the margins, doing the work, embodying the gospel message, defending it with their lives through caring for the poor caring for the marginalized you know seeing about people creating gd programs i think about churches large and small who have programs in education mm-hmm. economic empowerment making sure people's bills get paid that's an apologetic incarnationally um but then also sunday school has always been trying to teach us how to defend our faith in a way and engaging mm-hmm. us you know i i know the bible because of sunday school And so Mm -hmm. that's a part of giving a defense. So I think we can affirm where black churches have already been doing the work if they haven't called to that, but also give them new tools. Say, hey, we we are developing curriculums through Jude 3 um, to help them give tools for the next generation to say these are the questions that people are wrestling with, but also creating space for Q&A in churches. I think local churches need to create space where people can submit questions. And I think also one of the practical things we did at my church, I asked my dad before we did an apologetics course, can we take a survey and see what, our, what are our tenets, our beliefs, our Christian beliefs, and give people an anonymous survey to see if they actually believe them? Because people come to church for a lot of reasons, and a lot of it has nothing That's to right. do with doctrine or preaching. It has That's to do with right. kids' <laughs> ministry, it has to do with community, yes. it has to do with convenience and worship,
1: yeah. and music. That's right. That's and so-
3: a lot of people don't even know that there's a statement of faith that this church affirms. They should know from, you know, but they'll say, oh, sure, I believe that. But they're more committed to the other aspects. Mm-hmm. So getting a true assessment through an anonymous survey to see, do you believe that Jesus is the only way? Mm-hmm. And they'll be more prone to be honest if it's anonymous. And then you're getting papers back. You're like, half of my church don't even <laughs> affirm what we believe. And then you can start developing theories based on that to give them structure to give them understanding yeah. of why we hold to these uh,
1: so ta- these tailored teaching Love mm-hmm.
3: yeah, yeah. 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 I think think that that's one of the helpful strategies. I think Lisa, you said all the (laughs) great
2: ideas, especially I I like the idea of like taking the temperature. Where is your church before you can start,
3: you know, Mm.
2: a whole new curriculum? Um, I think Mm. I've developed some things with in terms of youth ministry, um, Mm. basically asking Gen Z again, anonymously, what are the questions of your of your generation? What do you want to talk? talk about and doing sessions in the youth ministry and then when it comes to Christmas or Easter putting on some sort of play that has some apologetics elements in it and it's funny well I, I, th- I think so anyway it's yeah. funny it's approachable <laughs> but actually yeah it's showing that the young people are thinking through their faith they're thinking critically mm-hmm. about what they believe and why they believe it and so for me the youth ministry has been a has been a good way to do that um yeah
0: Awesome. My goodness. I I love that. Yes, the youth. Right? Train them up. Train them up in the way well, to go, right? And they won't depart. And so yeah, thank you both so much. I mean, I think we've learned just so much about incarnational apologetics and, and what it, you know, what it means for you all to be black women who do apologetics in your spaces in the UK and in the US and in the curriculums and the work that you're all doing. Thank you so much for being um, a light. And a witness uh, to the gospel, because Lord knows we need more of it. And um, I know we know, <laughs> as people that are in public ministry, we know it's not easy. <laughs> we know that it's not. Uh, yeah, we just know it's it's not easy. We know it's rewarding, but it is not easy. Um, and we we want to give you your flowers while you yet live, and want <laughs> you to know that we see you, and we thank God for you. You know, I, let me. I want to pray f- actually for y'all, um, and then we can close out. So.
2: Let me do that. I love it when you guys pray. Honestly, I'm listening to the getting the words, and I, when it's the prayers. I'm like, yeah, I'm driving my car, like, yes, Lord. All right, You're like, what
1: are going to about? Honestly, it's prayers. We we can we can we can we can, we can uh, we'll give we'll give you a double whammy prayer. Kimmy, do you want to pick Claire to pray for, and I'll pray for sure, you? Sure, let's, you let's do
0: it. Let's do it. Yeah. Double feature. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Father God, thank you. Thank you, God, for this, this, just this ministry, God. Thank you. For Claire. Thank you, oh God, for that you saw her before the very foundations of the earth, oh God, and you called her to be your own, oh Lord God, not just to be your own, but to be your servant, oh Lord God, and to preach your gospel, oh Lord God, without shame, with holy boldness and humility, Lord. I just pray that you would continue to bless her ministry. Get real, oh Lord God. I pray, Father God, that you would pour down finances, oh Lord God, new opportunities, new open doors for the gospel, and I know that by God's grace and by the power of the Holy Spirit, Claire Williams will obey, oh God. I just pray, oh God, that you would bless everything that concerns her, Lord God. I pray, oh God, that you, oh God, that your ministry and Your that your gospel would advance there in all over the globe, oh God, but there in her local context there in the UK lord i just pray oh god that she oh lord god would just continue to um to walk oh god in the path that you have already laid out for her oh god and that she oh god would complete and finish the good work that you have already prepared for her in jesus christ i pray this in the mighty and matchless name of jesus
1: amen, amen. gracious and merciful god we just thank you that Every single promise that you have made to us is yes and amen. And so every promise that you have made concerning Lisa Fields is yes and amen. We thank you that the good work that you have started in her, you will bring to completion. We thank you, oh God, that she is a leader amongst leaders. And so we pray right now that you would bless her in every way, that you would bless her health, uh, that you would bless her vision and her imagination and her strategy, that you would bless the people that she surrounds herself with in ministry and in work, oh God, that you would bless her relationships, oh Lord. We pray right now for both of these women that those who are listening would be stirred up to partner with them in ministry and to open up their finances to support their work, oh God. We're praying for an outpouring of finances and support and encouragement, oh Lord. Would you bless them? Would you bless them in a way they don't even have room enough to receive, oh Lord. And we pray right now for a blessing on all those who will come in contact with their ministries, that you will be doing the work that only you can do because salvation belongs to the Lord, that you will be at work uh, tilling tilling the soil of hard hearts, oh God, that you will be softening hearts right now so that by the time uh, these ministries reach these individuals, it will be ready. They will be ready to receive what you have for them. God, we know that everywhere we go, you've already been. You're already there. You're already working it out. So grant to these women the sensitivity to continue to be salt and light in the places that you take them and grant them favor and an abiding, persistent joy, a joy that only comes from you. Come what may, your will be done. Amen and amen. Amen, amen, amen.
3: Amen.
0: Amen.
1: Thank (laughs) y'all. You're (laughs)
0: welcome. You're welcome. And of course, we. well, first of all, thank you, Lisa and Claire, for sitting at the table with us. Thank you so very much. And to our sisters, we want to thank y'all for taking a seat at the table with us. Let's keep the conversation going. Tweet us your thoughts about this episode, Say to the Black Church. Apologetics with Claire Williams and Lisa V. Fields. Tweet us. You can use the hashtag Truth Table. And Black women, did y'all know that we have a Facebook Black Women's Discipleship Group? Well, now you do, okay? Like Truth Table on Facebook. Come on in and join us. Please answer the questions. Okay, one of them is, are you a Black woman? Yes. Oh, um, <laughs> answer those <laughs> questions. Come on in and join us as we open up the word together and learn uh, more about our good God. Invite your friends. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram as well, and on Facebook. And also email us your thoughts about this episode at asktruthstable at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Truth Table has a Patreon account, so you can support our ministry at patreon.com slash or you can bless us at our PayPal, which is paypal.me slash TruthTable is made possible in part by Pottery Studios. Visit pottery.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath and our executive producer is Bo York. And we have been your hosts, Akemini and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Truthstable. Table. Bye, y'all.